Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, good morning. <clears throat> beautiful. Oh, boy, excuse me. A beautiful Monday morning right here in downtown. Well, actually, on beautiful Geist Reservoir, it is Dan Dockich. It is Don't At Me. And we're going to get right to it. We got a little video. You know, when you're the number one pick in the NBA draft, guys are coming for you. They are. You got to be ready. You got to know. A little pro-am action. Paolo Banchero, who is the number one pick right out of Duke. One and done. Banchero went up, and he tried to do what guys do, right? Guys are now showing up at Rucker Park or the Drew League. In a Washington Pro-Am, they're trying to be like, hey, look at this. He shows up. Well, the number one pick showed up against Javante Murray, who is a really good player in the NBA, a really experienced player in the NBA. And let's show you what happened here. It didn't work out good. Paolo Banchero tried to guard Murray. And here it goes. There's Murray with the ball, a little fake behind the back. Banchero gone off the backboard. And we're going to dunk the basketball. That's right. Boom! Yeah. Well, and then we look, we stare, and we throw the ball, and we go down. Now, Murray has a tendency to be a bit of a clown in these situations. He's done things like bouncing balls off guys' heads and all that kind of stuff. But this went viral. Now, what happened later? Well, you know what happened later. Everybody took to Instagram and social media. Let's see what they had to say. This is a battle of the Titans. Paolo Banchero, he responded first. Uh, Graham in everything, it must be personal. Huh? Of course it's personal. You're number one pick in the draft. That's fine. Just make sure you guard up next time and stop sending doubles, family. Everybody's family. We are family. Uh, 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 uh. Everybody's fam. I thought it was fam. So, Banchero, um, I'll, I'll uh, read it for you right there, saying, hey, look, it's personal, huh? Well, of course it's personal. You're number one pick in the draft. Your number one pick in the draft is going to be personal. Uh, and Banchero's saying, you know what? You can't guard me, so you got to send doubles. All right. So double teams get sent. Well... Of course you know Murray's going to have something to say. So let's see Murray's response to fam. You, well, I, see, I'm not going to swear on the show because I am better than that. Or at least I say I'm better than that. And all you got to do in these day and age is say it. But he does say, you try to flex that number one pick-ish on me when I've been rooting for you when you was a kid asking to rebound for me. Don't get on this internet saying nothing. You changed from the humble kid you always was, and I stand on real-ish, and you know it. You made it and changed, and I lost all respect. There you go. All right. We're talking-ish. 
We have to immediately run to social media, and I love it because social media provides, well, frankly, content for this show and other shows. Things too stupid to make it on the show today. Uh, the idiot that is Jalen Rose saying that Mount Rushmore should be canceled. And I'm not going to lie to you. Jalen Rose could say I'm wearing a blue shirt, and I would say, yeah, no, it's green. I am sorry. It's just the way I look at Jalen Rose. I, he wants things canceled. Yes, let's all do that. Let's do what Jalen Rose says. Because Jalen, well, you know, he, when he says it, we all must pay attention. I've paid attention by mentioning it on the show. But it's not good enough to get on the show. How about Jacob DeGrom? This is good enough to get on the show. Jacob DeGrom made his return, struck out 12 in five and a, and a third innings. Now listen to this. Jacob DeGrom threw 20 sliders. 18 of them were swung and missed on. That's unbelievable. So you net, uh, Mets fans out there, the three of you that give a rats about the Mets, guess what? Jacob DeGrom, guess who's back, 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 Gron is back. Speaking of back, guess what's back, ladies, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen? The NFL. This weekend, the NFL has 16 preseason games, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you name it, uh, your team is playing. Let's just put it that way, pretty much. 16 games, going to be a lot of fun. Now, here's the deal, and I'll get into why, you know, why you should bet NFL games, because the money spends. And it's easy to bet. It's easier in certain ways betting NFL preseason than it is NFL regular. I'll tell you why. Here's what you do. And I'm going to talk about this in the I Ain't Mad About It segment, but I'm going to give you a sneak peek. You figure out, and don't marry, be married to your team. I see you out there, El Presidente, Sean Black. Don't be married to just the Browns. I'll get into the Browns here in a minute. Don't be married to one team. Learn about some team. One team. That's all you got to do. Take one team out of the 32 that are playing. One team. And see what's going on with that team. And that will help you bet a game. I'm going to talk about that later. But the truth of the matter is 16 NFL games between NFL and college football. There will not be another weekend until what? Middle of January that we don't have football. And I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't lie to you. I can't lie to you. I love it. See, people pigeonhole me as a college or excuse me, college basketball guy. I find college basketball to be dull. I find college basketball to be like, man, there's so many games. If Illinois State's playing where my son, who, by the way, is just sitting here taking a nap uh, at 11 o'clock or whatever time it is in the morning. Okay, it's only 9. Uh, if Redbirds are playing, I'm all in. If Indiana's playing, I'm watching. If Purdue's playing, I'm watching. But I find college basketball to be dull. Too many games. I'm not. If I'm doing them, they're exciting. Too many boring announcers, too many guys that sound like, that's a foul, I think. Shut up. Football, on the other hand, oh, baby, I love me some football. I literally try to get everything done on a Saturday morning by noon. Now, the noon Big Ten football game on ESPN is literally the cure for insomnia because they go from this high-energy game day to all of a sudden you're looking live at Minnesota taking on Purdue. Now, but I don't care. Every Saturday, there's a game that you get your stuff done. To do, you get your stuff done and you're going to have a sit. It might be at night. It might be at noon. It might be at three. I don't know. And that's what we got 
from this point forward. So here's what you do. You got 32, ga- 32 teams playing. You got 16 games. Get your favorite. Get a team. Find a team. Do some reading, and I'll guarantee you, you make money. We'll get into that a little later. Hey, you folks in Cleveland, you know the saying, Cleveland rocks. Okay. You also know the saying, Lake Erie's on fire. You also know the saying, mistake by the lake. I personally love Cleveland. You just take my son to the Indians games. Caught a fall ball there one time. Had a great time in Cleveland. Don't at me about Cleveland. Love Cleveland. But Cleveland, the Browns, have been a bit of a mess, right? The Browns have been the team that everybody wants to criticize. The Browns have been the team that brought over Deshaun Watson, gave him a big contract when nobody would touch him. Cleveland right now, the Browns are sitting around waiting, seeing, hoping that Deshaun Watson, think about this, only gets six games. Deshaun Watson has become some type of hero for only getting six games. That is celebrated, right? Oh, yeah, by the way, he's guilty of sexual assault, at least according to Judge Robinson. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's guilty of harming another person. Oh, by the way, he's guilty of damaging the integrity of the NFL. But we're so excited in Cleveland because he only got six games. All that stuff went to the side, right? Because football is king, and what do we want to do? We want to win. And we think Deshaun Watson's the latest to win. So Cleveland's been a mess, and everybody's talked about Cleveland being a mess. But let me tell you what Cleveland did. This guy right here, Kareem Hunt, I want to trade. Okay. You good. I want a full head of hair. Neither are going to happen. Why? Because it looks like possibly, maybe, sort of, the Cleveland Browns are going to take their team back. They don't have their team right now. Right now, the perception of the Cleveland Browns, Andrew Barry, et al., Haslam, Jimmy Has, everybody, is that this team acquiesced to a sexual predator. Now, that's not going to change because they tell Kareem Hunt, look, we're not going to trade you. That's not going to change. This is a team that when you read something about, what did you hear? One of two things. Deshaun Watson lately... Baker Mayfield before, always a mess, always a fight, always something where it is Cleveland against one of their players. And this is no different, but the difference is this, Cleveland's standing up. I talk about it all the time, ladies and gentlemen, stand up. Look, if you don't think it's right that Kareem Hunt gets traded, God bless you. Don't do it. Don't do it to acquiesce. Now, one thing I will say about Cleveland is they haven't acquiesced. They didn't have to bring Deshaun Watson, but they felt it was the right thing to do. So maybe we have Cleveland all wrong. Maybe Cleveland is the team that we should be rooting for. They got tired of Baker Mayfield. They got rid of him. They were the only team that actually, actually pulled the trigger on Deshaun Watson. And now they're saying, no, Kareem Hunt. No. You want to trade? God bless you. Good for you. Dockage wants a full head of hair. Dockage wants to open up these eyelids. Get them up in here. Ain't happening. Maybe, just maybe, I and others have Cleveland wrong. Maybe Cleveland is the team with guts. Maybe Cleveland is the sexy, less-watched team. And oh, by the way, I know you all saw this, but this is real life. I want to make sure I got the name right, and I think I do. The Association of Massage Therapists Convention. 
coming up on the 25th to the 27th of this month is guess where? You got it. Cleveland, baby. It all happens in Cleveland. Do you think maybe, I don't know, Deshaun Watson's going to be a speaker? I don't think so. Do you think maybe, and this is even a more important thing, do you think maybe Deshaun Watson's tactics will come up at the Massage Therapist National Convention? I bet it does. I bet it comes up all the time. Too small a tile, wanting you to do stuff. It should. In fact, that should be the number one thing. And I'm not going to lie to you. That is not a great thing because that will be covered. And I guarantee you, if they are smart, and I believe them to be smart, the American Association of Massage Therapists should be talking about what went down with with Massage Therapists and Deshaun Watson. They should be. But it isn't an amazing coincidence, seriously. Isn't it just unbelievable? Like, you, sometimes you just can't believe what you see, right? Like, what? How could this happen? Is this an odd coincidence or what? If it actually happened again, it's one of those things. If it happened in a movie, you'd be like, what the hell are you talking about? Yeah, I don't think if I were, well, if, <laughs> if I were Deshaun Watson, I'd just get out of town for a few days. I would. But maybe we got Cleveland all wrong. Maybe Cleveland's gutsy. They got rid of Mayfield. He wasn't good enough. He's a pain in the ass. They brought in a predator. Not great. And then they said no to Kareem Hunt. I'm going to keep an eye on you, Cleveland. I'm going to keep an eye on you because I'm a big Jacoby Brissett fan. I think Jacoby Brissett got screwed here by Adam Vinatieri missing kicks. All right, Matt Stafford has a bad elbow. Matt Stafford of the Rams has a bad elbow. He's got something called thrower's elbow. Now, thrower's elbow, if you've ever pitched before and you did it maybe maybe way too much, uh, you can get thrower's elbow. A lot of guys get thrower's elbow. I don't think it's a big story. I don't don't think it's a big story. I think it's a story. I think it's something to watch. But I guarantee you, here's the deal. When you win the Super Bowl and you're Matt Stafford, all of a sudden you're doing commercials and you're letting people fall off stages and you're whatever – all of a sudden, now we got to talk about I guarantee you Matt Stafford has had thrower elbows his whole life. I guarantee you half the NFL has thrower elbow his entire life. You get it. You do. I'm sorry. And then you get old, and then your shoulder gives out, and next thing you know, you go to the doctor, and the doctor's got to fix it, and it's still not fixed, and you got to, oh, wait a second, I'm talking about me. Sorry, I'm just, I should be talking about thrower's elbow. Of course football players get thrower's elbow. Quarterbacks. You know who else gets thrower's elbow? This was told to me. Quarterback coaches. True story. A lot of quarterback coaches get thrower's elbow. Why? Because they got to throw so many passes. Like when a quarterback throws a ball, who do you think he's throwing it to? He's throwing it to somebody. Who do you think's throwing it back? Somebody. Now, maybe most times on the sidelines, it's a backup quarterback. Fine. But quarterback coaches get thrower's elbow too. Yeah, they do. A lot of you get other kind of elbow. I'm not going to get into it, but you know what I'm talking about. We're going with Chicago today. Not sure why, but we're going with Chicago. All right, Pete Rose, man. Pete (laughs) Pete Rose stood out there with Larry Christensen on the right, and the great Greg Luzinski on the left, the bull. By the way, 
Great calves on Luzinski on the left right there. Luzinski, for those of you that don't know, would eat a big sandwich, hit three home runs, chug 72 beers. I don't even know if he drank. But Greg Luzinski was great. He came over to the White Sox and he was dynamite. But Pete Rose shows up. Pete Rose is 81 years old. Pete Rose walked out there and needed a little bit of help. We're all going to be Pete Rose physically, right? We're all going to get, hopefully, get to that age, and we're going to be struggling to move, and we're going to be like, all right. And I did not like seeing Pete Rose like that. I didn't like that at all. I didn't want Pete Rose to look like that. Okay, but fine. So, of course, the inevitable happens. If you remember, there was a report. It actually got Pete Rose off of television where he was pretty good. Like, Pete Rose had the chance to be resurrected in his career on television on Fox. He was pretty good. Like, he wasn't bad. But then all of a sudden, a report came out that Pete Rose, uh, for whatever the reason, I don't know, um, Pete Rose had a statutory rape allegation against him that he was dating a girl. A woman came out and said, hey, look, 1973, I was like 14 or 15, and Pete Rose started having sex with me. Pete Rose was 33, married with kids. So Pete Rose, that's 55 years ago, at least according to Pete Rose. So Pete Rose was asked about it yesterday. It was 55 years ago, babe, he said to the female reporter. Now, a lot of guys just say, babe. Hey, babe. I say, babe. Baseball players say, babe. And, of course, everybody got indignant about the babe. What say, babe? Hey, babe. What say, babe? Come on, babe. Baseball players say, babe, like I say, the. Or me or I. Very misogynistic. Or very uh, egotistical. But Pete Rose says, babe. So Alex Coffey is the woman who interviewed him. And she's, you know, he said, babe, and everybody lost their mind. Babe is what guys sometimes say. We can't get offended over every word. But I get it. I do. I 100% get it. The real issue was why or did or why did the Phillies allow Pete Rose to come on? And really nobody cares if you want to know the truth. But we care for a day because it's Pete Rose and people are angry. And Rose just said, look, it's 55 years ago. You weren't even born. And then Rose felt bad about the babe comment and said, hey, will you forgive me if I sign a thousand baseballs for you? And then he said, sorry. So there you go. Guys like Pete Rose have been saying babe their whole life. I'm not dismissing it. I know, you know, every word is offensive now. Every word, you can't say babe or honey. That's fine. But the truth of the matter is, the bigger issue is were the Phillies negligent or were the Phillies complicit in asking Pete Rose to come to the event? Basically, they said no. Bob Boone said, hey, look, he's a cherished member of our team. Let's go. So this is a story for a day. People are going to act indignant. People are going to say, hey, look, uh, you got a predator on the field. We got a predator on the field with the Cleveland Browns. So I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't know. But I do know this, that guys like Pete Rose are never going to change. You get mad about it all you want. Guys like Pete Rose are clowns back in the day, and they're still clowns to this day. They just are. And you can get mad about it, you can get angry about it, you can get all offended by it. But I got to tell you, man, if I'm Pete Rose, I live with my own demons. 
And if he somehow has rectified his own demons, then God bless. And then he goes in the booth, and he's talking to John Krug, and he's talking to the broadcast team, and he drops the S word and the C word. It is, a, it is the second half, the C word, is the second half of the University of South Carolina's mascot, the Gamecocks. So he drops that about a blank high fastball, and then he says, yeah, he couldn't believe that S. Pete Rose is going to be Pete Rose, and he's going to be an idiot. Well, you can get all mad about it. But if you put him in a boot tomorrow, he's going to do the same thing. I just don't understand if he has a lifetime ban. Why is he on the field? Because that's part of the lifetime ban. Is it not? Am I wrong about that? I mean, it's part of the lifetime ban. You're not to be on the field, so now he's on the field. If you're going to ban him, ban him. If you're not going to ban him, put him in the Hall of Fame and tell his story. It's that simple. Um, They also say, we are not condoning forgiving or forgetting Pete's behavior. We understand some people criticize our decision to include Pete. We understand the basis of that criticizing because it is precisely that basis which caused us to immediately rescind recognizing Pete on the Phillies' Wall of Fame when the allegations were disclosed publicly only six days before the scheduled induction. The Wall of Fame is a singular personal honor, and for the Phillies, his past off-field behavior undermines his baseball achievements, uh, which achievements would otherwise give rise to that award. So, okay. I guess. Um, then why am I on the field? Like, I don't care what you do. Like, I'm not one of those that gets all bent out of shape about stuff, but why am I on the field? Rose said this. I'm going to tell you one more time. I'm here for the Philly fans. I'm here for my teammates. I'm here for the Phillies organization. Who cares what happened 50 years ago? You weren't even born. So you shouldn't be talking about it because you weren't born. If you don't know a damn thing about it, don't talk about it. Well, again, that's an 81-year-old guy living in his own reality. His own reality is that people come up to him and he can get rid of anything with a 1,000 autographed baseballs. (laughs) Honest to God. Um, You should talk about things that happened when you weren't born. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. And you can know what happened if you just simply pry a little bit. I mean, just a little bit. Uh, Statue of limitations ran out. He was 32 years old and 73, married with two children. Rose believed that the girl was 16. Girl says she was 14 or 15. He uh, admitted having a relationship, and away you go. But it was 50 years ago, and in Rose's mind, that's what happens. Hey, look, I say it before, I'll say it again. If you're going to ban him, ban him. If you're not going to ban him for some things, but ban him for others and put him in the Hall of Fame and tell his story. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. Either way, I'm going to sit down here, drink coffee, and talk to y'all. All right. Um, this was really funny. This I have to talk to Clay Travis about because he's coming on uh, in, <laughs> in uh, about an hour at 1030. Jamel Hill actually tried to say that ESPN, is too conservative for her. Wow. See, here's what we've learned. We've learned that if you are left-leaning, you can say anything you would like. What would you like to say? Oh, well, I think I'll say today that ESPN was too conservative, and I, as a horrific broadcaster, didn't matter. What mattered was ESPN was too conservative. 
They weren't liberal enough for me and Michael Smith. Is that right? Well, let me tell you what ESPN is when it comes to that show. ESPN is money. ESPN on, on the the sports center shows, particularly the six o'clock is all about revenue. It's a revenue machine. They put people on there that sponsors are going to like. They put people on there that are going to keep the influx of money coming every day. And I got to tell you, Jamel Hill was God awful. She got the job, her and Mike Smith. They went about the job. Advertisers left by droves. Not not some, droves, half, half. And they said, look, this ain't working. They gave her like $10 million. And she was awful at her job. When I say awful, I mean embarrassingly awful. Nice lady. Had a chance to meet her once at ESPN. If you think that ESPN is too conservative, all you got to do is look at the career of Sage Steele. Sage Steele is 1,000% the journalist slash broadcaster than Jamal Hill has ever been. Sage Steele is and continues to be treated like absolute garbage at ESPN. Why? Because she doesn't share the same liberal views of every person at ESPN. ESPN has given their soul away. ESPN has allowed a guy like Ryan Clark to say, I'm not working with Sage Steele. Why do you think that is? I don't know. Now, Jamel Hill is saying it was no fun for me. So that's why I left. I didn't get kicked off. I chose to leave because the experience wasn't fun for me. Good for her. Good for her. I would say that too if I were her. You got to keep talking, baby, because when you are a liberal, we believe you. We don't kind of believe you. We believe you. It was the worst job I had at ESPN. It's a conservative culture at ESPN. So this idea that ESPN is run by flower children is just a lie. That's not how it is. It's the opposite. No, no, no. No one ever said it's run by flower children. It's run by flaming liberals that have given into a woke culture. Why do you think Jalen Rose is on the thing? You think anybody has ever said, man, that's an interesting thing Jalen Rose has ever said? They've given into a culture where they just don't want anybody saying to them, hey, look, You're not this enough. You're not that enough. It isn't about entertaining sports fans at ESPN, let's be honest. It's not even close. If it was, I'd be doing every college basketball game. No, it isn't about that. It's about maintaining their... Boom! Is what I call it. What does that mean? They don't get boomed. They don't get, well, you know. You don't have enough of these. Well, you know, you don't have enough of those. Well, you know, I can't believe this guy didn't get promoted for that guy. And this guy, didn't get, and, and you had three of these guys on the same set at the same time. That's all it is. That's it. Come on. Anybody, when's the last time anybody not named Stephen A. Smith? Now, I want you to think about this. Anybody not named Stephen A. Smith on ESPN was interesting. Think about it. Name me one person on ESPN that you go, man, name me one college basketball or college football. Todd Blackledge is really good. Herbie is really good. 
But let me ask you a question. Name me one time, one person that's actually interesting. You can't. I'm sorry, you can't. It's not about sports fans. It's about making sure the boom doesn't happen. The bad article. Oh, my God, they said we were this. We're not that. It's crap. And Jamel Hill knows it. Jamel Hill's covering her ass. Jamel Hill has become a, G- a gif. She's just become someone that when she speaks, she you just go, okay, great. Jamel Hill was horse, I almost swore, as a, as a host. Mike Hill was horse. You didn't listen to him. You didn't believe him. They, they, they had a bad presentation. If they didn't like the job, tough. They should have gotten better at the job. Seriously. Bunch of crap. Conservative, my ass. Every single guy I worked with is liberal as hell. <laughs> Try that with somebody else. Barry Bonds, is he the real home run king? Why do you ask, Dan? Well, yesterday was the anniversary of him hitting number 762. I'm sorry, number 756. He ended with 62. Let me ask you a question. Is Barry Bonds, in your mind, the home run king? One, is Barry Bonds, number two, do you care? Do you really care? I mean, Barry Bonds was having an unbelievable career. 1993 at 46 home runs. I mean, that's pretty good, right? But Barry Bonds, you know, he admitted to using the cream and the clear, whatever the hell he did or didn't admit to. It doesn't really matter. The dude hit 73 home runs in 2001. 49 the year before, 73, 46, 45, and 45. Now, look, I'm all in on hitting home runs. I'm all in on all of that. But is he the real home run leader? And do you care? Used to be, everybody knew the number, 714. Everybody knew Babe Ruth's number. Everybody knew where they were when Henry Aaron hit number 715. Everybody knew. Hell, Vince Scully was calling it. We heard the highlight for time and time again this weekend. Everybody knew. Now I don't think anybody cares. And I don't think anybody cares because we all just got, yeah, well, you know what? These guys just hit home runs and they're all on roids. See, I personally, if someone were going to ask me, who's the home run king ever, I'd say Henry Aaron. Dan, that's not true because, well, you know, he doesn't have as many as Barry Bonds. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, Barry Bonds was a great player before he, the steroid era. Yeah, I know. But the steroid era enhanced him. The steroid era gave him longevity. It's really interesting. I couldn't name you the home run total that he had. I had to look it up, 762. I did. 755 is what Hank Aaron had. Now, I knew that number. But I don't think anybody cares anymore. When we were kids, man, we cared about all of that, right? Hey, can anybody break Roger Maris's record? Oh, man, Dave Kingman has 30 at the All-Star break. Can he get to 62? Can he, I, I think he can. No, I don't think he can. No, he can't. He can't. He blah, 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 blah. Randy Johnson had 15 wins at the All-Star break, 16, whatever it was. Can he get to 30? Can he get the Denny McClain? Nah, I don't think anybody cares. Well, you know, the whip is 1.62. Whip this. I want to know, do you think Barry Bonds is the home run king? If I said to you, uh, how many home runs did Barry Bonds hit in his career? Would you have known it? We all knew about Hank Aaron. I don't know. Baseball's gone a little bit away. We got all of these freaking crazy-ass, I mean crazy-ass statistics that get shown. Well, you know, guy hit a ball yesterday. And my boy Carl Ravage said, that was 96, and I thought it was a fastball off the bat. I'm like, oh, great. 
I guess Barry Bonds a home run king, but the bigger question is, do you care? I don't really care. Used to. Don't anymore. All right, we come back. We got a monster for you. I ain't mad about it. I ain't mad about it. Also, uh, deep fakes. We're going to play along here. Is it fake or is it real? And then the great Clay Travis joins us. Coming up in one hour, the boss, Clay Travis. We're going to get a lot of stuff with Clay Travis. Stay right here. Do me a favor. Retweet. Tell your friends. I got to go potty. We'll be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. You know, we do a segment here every week on Mondays called I Ain't Mad About It. And it stems from a guy named Jamarcus Ellis who played for me at Indiana the year that I took over as the interim coach. When I had to suspend him, he said, hey, I ain't mad about it. I said, what are you talking about? I'm really mad about it. That's the level of stupid we had at Indiana University in 2007, 2008. The great Calvin Sampson got her done. But I ain't mad about it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to tell you some things I ain't mad about. You ready? Look, I know the Padres are interesting, and I love what the Padres did. Obviously, Juan Soto, who, by the way, was absolutely fantastic last night being interviewed in-game in right field. I mean, it was a great interview. Eduardo Perez and Ravitch and David Cohn did a fantastic job. And I got to tell you, I've always been a Juan Soto fan ever since 2019 when I watched the Nationals win me a couple grand off a $100 bet I put out on September 1st to win the World Series. But I also got to tell you this. Juan Soto was awesome as a human being yesterday which made me start rooting for the Padres. But I ain't mad about it if the Padres don't make the playoffs. Remember, they brought in Machado a few years ago. Now they brought in Soto. Now they brought in Josh Hader. They brought in Josh Bell. They brought in a bunch of guys. This is their run. And one thing I will say about the San Diego Padres, if they, they have electrified San Diego, apparently 44,000, it's going. It's You know what? Let's have a day in San Diego. But I ain't going to be mad if they don't make the playoffs. I'm not going to be mad. I'll tell you why. Because baseball is maybe, maybe, the ultimate we got to get along together gang. Game and gang. Our gang has to get along. Hey, guys, you walk in a clubhouse, man, you're there every single day. 
And when you're old, fat, and bald like I am, what you do is you hearken. You hearken back to the day of Sano and Kessinger and Beckert and Banks, the infield from third to first, the battery of Fergie Jenkins and Randy Hunley. We hearken. That's right. Old guys hearken. Now, I consider myself the youngest, hippest, uh, soon-to-be 60-year-old next week that you'll ever come across. But as an old guy, I'm hearkening. I'm hearkening to the day where, well, if you're going to buy a championship, you got to buy it before the season, George Steinbrenner style. you got to say, hey, man, we're going to go get Reggie. We're going to go get Catfish. You know what I'm saying? And then you go ahead and you win. But halfway through the season, all of a sudden, you're like, well, you know, we're going to go get Soto. We're going to go get Hayter. Hayter's the best reliever in baseball. Soto's the best young player. And Soto said it yesterday. Look, I got a couple years here. Who knows what's going to happen after that? But Soto at all, I'm for you. I'm not mad at you. I'm not, I, I'm glad you did it in San Diego. The owner was on last night on Sunday Night Baseball, and I like the owner. I got to tell you, if you don't make the playoffs, I ain't mad about it. I'm not. A couple games out of the wild card. You got a great shot. Got a team last night that couldn't hit against 91 and stylish last night, a stylish lefty. But, hey, buying a team at midseason has just never sat well with me, except 1984 when the Red Baron came over. That's right, Rick Sutcliffe for Joe Carter and Mel Hall here comes Sutcliffe, 16-1, first time in my lifetime, 1984, the Cubs go to the playoffs. Bobby Dernier leads the playoffs against the uh, San Diego Padres with a home run, and they lose the series. Oh. It's the only time I like buying players. So if they don't make it, I ain't mad about it. If they do make it, hey, good for us. Uh, hot weather in the Midwest. I ain't mad about it. I used to be. You walk outside, it's a steam bath. You know what used to happen? We didn't have air conditioning upstairs where my brother and I slept. And there was no chance my father, now my parents were public school teachers. So we, we had enough, we were fine, we weren't poor by any means. Lived in a middle class neighborhood. People to our left, people to our right, worked in the steel mills. Guy across the street was a cop. You know the neighborhood I'm talking about. But we didn't have air conditioning upstairs in the room where my brother and I slept, and I hated it. You couldn't open a window because northwest Indiana with the lake, it gets humid. So as an adult, the one thing that I've always said is I want three things in my life. One, I want my family. Two, a king-size bed because I'm big and fat. Three, I got to have air conditioning. You can hang meat in my house. And it's all because back in the day, we didn't have air conditioning in my brother and my room. All right. Fast forward. Now when it gets hot in the summertime, everyone in the Midwest, oh, my God, it's so hot. Oh, I hate this. I'd rather take the cold. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. I'll give you a hint that my mother gave me way back. My mother said, you know, Daniel, when you're out playing, and that's all we did, right? We got on our bikes. We went and played. And you get too hot, go to the supermarket. There was a wise way on Broadway. There was a park at market by our, by our grade school. Go to supermarket. Why? Because supermarket's always cold. She's right. There was Ace Hardware on 49th and Broadway in Gary. It was right by Junedale Little League. We used to get on our bikes 
and go. I remember going to Busy Bee to buy illegal firecrackers when I was like 12. The lady sold them out of the back room. She didn't care if we blew off our fingers. She wanted to make some dollars, and I was all in. It was cold in there. I liked it. People complain uh, in the Midwest about the heat. Not me anymore. I'll tell you why. It's hot everywhere. And you know what? Good. Go outside. Get yourself a sweat. Go outside. Rake something for about 10 minutes. Mow the grass. And then come inside and have yourself a beer. It's one of life's great pleasures. I've really come a full 180. My brother likes it hot. My brother, if he could sit in the Las Vegas sun all day and work his deals, would be the happiest dude alive. I got tired of hearing myself complain. And then I realized the other day, you know what? Go to the supermarket. So I did. I went to Kroger over here. It was hot. I was sweaty. Went to the supermarket. Went to Kroger. It was great. Go to the supermarket. That's good life advice. And when it's hot as hell and you're outside and you're sweating, go inside. Do one of two things. Last night, I played 40 holes of golf with my son, my nephew, and my brother. We started at 8 o'clock in the morning. We got done around 4, 4.30. Just kept playing. Didn't matter to us. We just kept playing. Pete had to catch a flight or we'd have gone to eight. Pete's my nephew. Hot as hazel, right? You know what I did? I went home, took out my frosty mug from the fridge, opened an A&W zero sugar root beer. Ah. It's one of life's great feelings coming in from the heat. So instead of bitching about the heat, (coughs) think about coming in from the heat. It was nice. It was really nice. Uh, Preseason football polls in college get a bad name. I love preseason football polls in college. I don't care whether it's football or basketball. Give me a good preseason football poll, and I'll tell you what. I want to see it. I want to see preseason football polls in college football. I don't care about preseason football polls in the NFL. There is no power ranking in the NFL that I care about. But I want to see college football preseason polls. I want to see college, who's number one, who's number two, who's number three. We all think Alabama, Clemson, blah, 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 but that's not necessarily how it went. Do you remember Cincinnati getting to the national championship final four last year? Of course you don't, because <laughs> you're being told it's always the same schools. It's not always the same schools. Do you even know that Michigan won the Big Ten, Ohio State didn't? Hey, look, and if it is the same schools, I got a piece of advice for people that aren't the same schools. Cheat better, work harder, give more NIL money, do something. I'll tell you right now. If I'll give you a school. Uh, Let me think of a school off the top of my head. Not New Mexico, that'd be too hard. But if a school like Indiana decided to hire Urban Meyer, Urban Meyer would have him at the top of the Big Ten. Hire the right coach. I love preseason polls. I just take a look. I want to see. Last year, everybody said Cincinnati was going to be good. I went and watched Cincinnati play against Indiana. Indiana was playing the breaks off, and Micah McFadden got kicked out for a BS targeting call. Next thing you know, Cincinnati wins. Indiana loses. Cincinnati goes on to a great season. Indiana doesn't. But everybody knew. Everybody knew that Cincinnati was going to be good. Why? Because of the polls. People get so mad about the polls. I hear people all the time, well, preseason polls don't mean anything. Let me tell you what preseason polls mean. Let me tell you what they mean. If you're Bowling Green and you get up to 16th in the country, which is where Urban got Bowling Green, let me tell you what you're doing. You're sending that out to every recruit. Don't tell me preseason polls don't matter. I guarantee you Alabama has some crazy-ass thing. 
I guarantee you Alabama has something that says something like, well, you know, 6,722 weeks in the top 10. You like preseason polls. I like preseason polls. I'm tired of people poo-pooing the preseason poll. Do you even know, <coughs> do you know who was the fifth ranked team in the country last year after the season? I'll give you 20 guesses. And unless you're looking it up, there is no chance that you know who this is. Zero shot. You know who it is? Baylor. You didn't know that. There's no way you knew that. You had no idea. None. Zero. Zip. Nada. But I'm here to help. You know who was number 11? Old Miss. You know Oklahoma State got to seven? I love preseason polls. Hey, look, I used to check them out uh, in-season polls, too. I used to check them out all the time, see if we moved to number one in the state in basketball. Ever since then, I've been checking out preseason polls. And every coach that tells you they don't, they're full of crap. I'll tell you one thing, I guarantee you, UAB's talking about receiving votes. They received one vote. When I was at Bowling Green, man, I got thrilled. We got up to 26th in the country, I think, somewhere like that. I exaggerate sometimes, but what the hell? Don't at me about preseason polls. Preseason polls are spectacular. All right, I'm not going to lie. I'm rooting for Zach Wilson of the Jets. And it is simply because of the whole MILF situation. The other day, here's how I came to that conclusion. I'm curious, do you as well? I'm going to put that and see if anybody on Twitter is saying anything about it. I'm rooting for Zach Wilson. I didn't care about Zach Wilson. Well, I take that back. I did. I got it written down here, Benetti. Benetti told me about Zach Wilson when he was at BYU, the great Jason Benetti, now joining Fox. Benetti said, I'm telling you, this kid, Zach Wilson, I'm reading it right here, smart, tough, cannon of an arm, love this kid. So I watched Zach Wilson, and I liked him because I like Benetti. Zach Wilson obviously goes to the Jets. High draft choice, a lot of pressure, New York City. Zach Wilson and the rest of the Jets stink. But now there's momentum with the Jets. I don't care about the momentum. I don't care where slap blank Johnny comes on my television and says, well, you know, the Jets had a great offseason. Shut up. Tell you had a great offseason. Zach Wilson. Yeah. He dumped the girlfriend or the girlfriend dumped him. She showed her true character by stooping his best friend. He went and did what Joe Namath, the Joe Namath, Mark Sanchez's of the world did when they were quarterback in New York. He went out and got busy, found himself one of his mother's friends. And next thing you know, boom. I'm rooting for him. And I love the way that he came off of the thing with his mother's friends because he was on vacation and his first thing was, hey, any news out there? I love this guy. If you can't make fun of yourself, who in the Sam hell can you make fun of? Now, the one bad thing about rooting for the Jets is this. I don't know what you watch in the morning, but I turn on ESPN. Right now, I've got Little League uh, to get into the World Series, the New England region playoffs. My boy... Todd Frazier is doing the broadcasting, so I'll watch. When I'm done here, I'll turn it up. But so I turn it on. The bad thing about the Jets winning is you got to hear all the guys on ESPN talking about the Jets. But I guess it beats LeBron talking about LeBron. I guess it beats all the social justice stuff that we have to hear. I just want to hear sports sometimes. And the Jets, to me, aren't sports, but Zach Wilson is. Did you know my wife, true story, when my wife was a softball coach, you can look my wife up, at 
Lee at Coach Shaw. I forget, but it's Lee Ross, L-E-I-G-H. Looks just like Jennifer Aniston. In fact, when Jennifer Aniston, uh, when she did a game, when Lee did a game, when her team was in the NCAA tournament, ESPN put a picture of her next to Jennifer Aniston. I assume all of you blue-haired crazy people would be pissed off about that because, well, you know, why are we showing Jennifer Aniston? Why do her looks matter? Hell yeah, it looks matter to her anyway. So what is her uh, profile on Twitter? Her next to Jennifer Aniston. You're damn right. All right. So my wife and the softball team get introduced at halftime in the then Carrier Dome. I don't know what the hell it's called now. The crowd in the student section started chanting at my wife, MILF, 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 MILF. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, my God, that's so sexist. Oh, my God, that's so... So then we run into, man, what's his name? Jones. He was a big lineman for the Colts. Didn't really play. His brother's John Jones. Well, this Jones went to uh, Syracuse. We go to a Colts fundraiser. We sit down at the table, and he's sitting there, and he goes, whoa, wait a second. Did you coach softball at Syracuse? And she's like, yeah. He goes, you were my coach crush. I, I looked at him. I go, I didn't know those existed. He goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We love you. I go, who's we? She goes, oh, the football team. Loved Lee Ross. When she would be running in Manly Fieldhouse and the football team was working out, apparently it was a deal. God bless you. Hell, yeah. My wife looked at me. She said, do you think they said, they think the women of Indiana said the same thing about you? I said, no. No, because I got the white guy overbite. <laughs> I'm all in. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I live in the real world. Oh, my God, Dan. Did you not get mad at Jones for saying that? That's so misogynist. No, it's not. It's very flattering. Salute. Whatever Jones. Art Jones. Art Jones, I think, was his name. All right, I got a lock for you. I ain't mad about it. No, I ain't mad at all. I've had enough of the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, okay, Buffalo came close and they lost. You know who I like? I like the Rams. You know why I like the Rams? Because to me, the Rams are adults. To me, Sean McVay, when I talked to my friend Rick Venturi like 35 years as an NFL defensive coordinator, Sean McVay used to be kind of their intern. Their intern of this fired coaches association, John Gruden was in it. A bunch of guys that you've heard of were in it. And McVay wanted to hang out. McVay was told by his grandfather, hey, look, hang out with those guys. Gruden, Venturi, I think Hazlitt was in there. I think a bunch of guys that you've heard of. Anyway, so he would get him coffee, McVay. And all my friend Rick Venturi has told me is that Sean McVay's a savant. This is a real test of savantness. The Rams, winning a Super Bowl, opening up with the Bills, huge game. I'm taking the Rams. It's at L.A. They're getting two points. And I think Sean McVay is adult enough and their team is adult enough to handle winning a championship. Here's why I say this is a test of Sean McVay and whether or not he is really, really good. Great coaches handle success. Period. People ask me this all the time about Coach Knight, Coach Bob Knight. What was the best thing Coach Knight did as a coach? There were two things I always say. Number one, you were prepared for the game, which apparently McVeigh is. Number two, 
Man, did he know how to make you handle success. Just because you won today wasn't going to be an easy practice tomorrow. Just because they won a national championship the year before I got there, man, was he on the returning guy's backside to forget about the national championship and let's go get another. Great coaches can do that. You know, in Indiana football, I just had a conversation with Tom Allen, the football coach at Indiana, and he fought it like hell last year. First time ever, Indiana football, high expectations, guys on different lists, they couldn't handle it. They could not handle it. We're going to see. You know, the NBA ring ceremony that's done on the first game, the team that gets the rings always seemingly loses. That's a little different because you're on the court getting a ring that you work so hard for. It brings back all those memories, and it distracts you from the game at hand. They've had a lot of time, the Rams have, to get rid of last year. You don't ever want to forget, and ultimately, the best memories you have during your football career are going to be that year, last year, when you won the Super Bowl, and what all happened in the locker room, in the hotel, meeting rooms, on the field. Those are going to be the fun things. But for this point in time in your life, you have to be adult enough to put that aside, and I think McVay's that good. I do. I think Sean McVay will have it. I think their leadership is good enough. I worry about Matt Stafford. I worry because last year, in a lot of ways, they won the Super Bowl in spite of Matt Stafford. Now, I know you're going to tell me I'm crazy. I know you are, and that's fine. But I go back to the kid, Dart. Safety for the San Francisco 49ers. Ball's right in his hand. Game is over in the NFC Championship game. Middle of the field. Up 10. Under 10 to go, and he drops it. He doesn't drop it. You and I are saying the exact same thing. You and I are saying, man, I don't know if Stafford can win it for you. But see, you forget those plays because he went on to win a Super Bowl. That's fine. You do that. I worry about Stafford being good enough to get you beat over the course of time. But I don't think they get beat in the opener. I watched McVay's team come into Indianapolis last year and was really good. You know, last year, typical of Indianapolis, and it's going on right now. Oh, my God, sleeper pick for the Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Colts are sleeper pick. Oh, really? Okay. Same thing I just saw now. Colts are sleeper pick to win the Super Bowl. I just watched. Rams came in, beat them. Next thing you know, everybody's not talking about the Super Bowl. They're talking about getting a win. So I do think that this is a lock. I'm going to take this bet. I'm going to make this bet later. I'm going to wait. The number might get bigger. Betting on NFL game week one, September whatever, isn't, isn't smart. Don't do it. Not yet, but remember this bet. Don't be afraid to take it. It's called the adult in the room bet. It is. And when you have an adult in the room and you have a team that's really good, then you have a chance to do really good things. All right? All right. Uh, People don't believe. Like a few weeks ago, I said on my show, actually a few months ago, I said on my show there was a very smart doctor's that told me not to get, not told me, told his family, be careful getting vaccinated. While the media was telling you and shaming you in Indianapolis, Indianapolis, we shamed you if you didn't get vaccinated. We have sports reporters shaming you. They'll drive Carson Wentz to the airport. Man, it turns out, hmm, I don't know about vaccines, but I digress. All right, we come back. You're going to want to see this, and you're going to want to play along. It is... Deep fakes with Dockage. 
Are these fakes or are these real? You and I will both decide when we come back. And don't miss it, bottom of the hour, the great Clay Travis joins. We'll be right back with Don't At Me. Thanks for being here. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, you ready? Deep fakes. My boys here, Ryan, Dylan, have come up with some videos, and the bottom line is, are they real or are they fakes? Now, you got to understand, I don't have much of a life, so I peruse the Internet a lot. So generally, I know what the hell's going on around here. So let's see, boys. What do you got? What you got? So the first one's DJ Stevenson from Memphis. Do you think he actually got that high, or do you think that is doctored? Let me see it again. I'm, 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 I'm. It's. Did he get that high, or is this doctor DJ Stevens can really jump? I'm saying he got that high. It looks fake to me, though. But I'm saying that's real. What do you think? What is it? Correct. DJ Stevens can get up, fellas. DJ Stevens. The picture, at least from my computer, it did look fake. But from what I know about DJ Stevens, he can get up. He can get up big time. So I'm figuring, you know what? Uh, we'll go with get up. That's not a bad one. That, did, that, did that picture look fake to you guys or am I just crazy? I thought it looked fake, but I don't know. All right, what do you got next? Let me have a look here. Deep fakes. What's the next one, boys? All right. This is David Beckham. Three kicks in a row here into trash cans. What did he do? This is so fake. Hold on. There's a Seinfeld episode where they're discussing whether a woman can fake an orgasm. And Jerry says to Elaine, the panting, the breathing, the sweating. And Elaine says, fake, fake, fake. 
I saw David Beckham just kick three soccer balls from I don't even know how many yards. And I'm going to tell you why it's fake, fellas. Because when the ball goes up, it goes out of the screenshot, and then it comes down into the garbage can. So like Elaine Bennis, fake, fake, fake. What do you got? It's fake. Of course it. Fake, fake, fake. If you ever see that Seinfeld, it's a good one because Kramer says he faked one too, but whatever. All right. That had to be fake. Come on. Give me the next one, big boy. Guy on his lawnmower with a baseball bat hits the basketball across the court. Man, that looks pretty real to me. Um, And I see the ball in the picture the entire time. But my God, that is so far away. Uh, You can't hit a baseball. You cannot hit a basketball with a baseball bat that far. There's no way. Go outside and try to hit a baseball bat. Get a baseball bat and try to hit a basketball. There is no possible way that that is anything other than fake. That one is real. That's real? I don't know how many takes it took, but it is real. All right, I got to ask a simple question. How do we know that's real? Like, is there something that tells you and says, hey, you know, this is a real one and something that tells you, no, this is not a real one? I saw it in a couple different places and nobody was claiming that it was fake anywhere. So that's all I can go off of. But I've seen people I've seen not on a lawnmower, but I have seen people hit with a basketball or with a baseball bat. I shouldn't have asked the question. I should not have asked the question. I should have let the question go. All right. What else you got? Sticking with the baseball bat here, he hits a golf ball. See, so at a golf outing, at my high school's golf outing, they you can pay and you can hit a fungo and a golf ball. I ain't buying this. I'm not. Let's see that again. Let me see that one more time. Those guys are reacting like it happened, but everybody's an actor these days. I think in a video, when you lose the ball, like right, okay, whatever. I guess we really, no, uh-uh. I saw a little splicing there at the end, big fella. That is fake as hell. We'll have to get you editing because that's a good eye. Yeah, that is fake. Hey, let me tell you something. Back in the day when before we had VHS and all that stuff or before we had all of this high-tech equipment, I used to sit and edit tapes, sometimes reel-to-reel tapes. That's how old I am, people. And then you had to set up two VCRs and we had to edit tape. Don't even at me. I can tell a fraud from a mile away. What else you got? That's a pretty good one, though. 
So what is this is a fake this? animal or is this a real animal? Your take. Is this a real animal? What the hell? Hey, Andrew. Andrew, huh. come here. Look at this. Is this a real animal? My son's sitting down here. Is that a real animal or is that a fake animal? I don't know what that is. Right? That looks like a piece of sushi spread out on the back of a freaking rodent. Uh, I'm going to go real. I think, I think science and nature has all kind of interesting stuff for us. It is real. That is apparently a pink fairy armadillo, which the name sounds fake too, but yeah, it is a real animal. That I'm not going to lie. What would you do? Let me say that. Let's, let's just say for the sake of argument that you saw that thing in your back porch or you saw that thing you know, crawling around your house. I don't know what I'd do, but I, I, I wouldn't kill it because it's so unique. That's hard to imagine. What else you got? What? This is courtesy of Ron. He is a Michael Vick guy, Virginia Tech guy. The power, the power eight is very real there. Oh, there's no way. Can you show that again? It was on a small screen on my computer here. All right. That's fake. That's fake or set up staged. That's fake. That Powerade's not. That's fake. Powerade's real, but the video is fake, yep. Did, did they actually use that as a, uh, did they use that in their advertising campaign? I know I've seen the clip of him throwing it out of the stadium before, yeah. So that one was fake, too. You could just tell. I don't know. I mean, I'm all in on Michael Vick. Wasn't Powerade the one that told us that Simone Biles, pause his power, quitting is good. Shut up. Uh, what else you got? That was it. Ron's looking for more right now. All right. Let me, uh, let me talk about something that just happened. And I don't know. I, you know, I, I never know how I feel about these things. I, I know I understand that, all right, um, you're, you're an idiot if you don't read something or if you read something that is offensive. But wide receiver coach Cale Gundy at Oklahoma is stepping down. Brent Venables announced that offensive analyst uh, LaDamian Washington will coach uh, the wide receivers on an interim basis. During a film session, this is from Venables, or excuse me, this is from Gundy. During a film session... I instructed my players to take notes. I noticed the player was distracted. 
Notice I picked up his iPad, read aloud the words that were written on his screen. The words displayed had nothing to do with football. One word in particular that I should never, under any circumstances, have uttered was displayed on that screen. In the moment, I didn't realize what I was reading, and as soon as I did, I was horrified. I want to be very clear. The words I read aloud from the screen were not my words. What I said was not malicious. It wasn't even intentional. Still, I'm mature enough to know that the word I said was shameful and hurtful no matter my intentions. The unfortunate reality is that someone in my position can cause harm without ever meaning to do so. In that circumstance, a man of character accepts responsibility. I take responsibility. I apologize. While considering this decision, I've been overwhelmed by the love and support of those who know me, my character, and my love for this program. I appreciate the support of my players and coaches. The support means more to me than you can ever know. We are family, so thank you. I recognize crucial moment for Oklahoma football, this team, its coaches. And so uh, Gundy here is uh, going to, or has resigned. There you go. And the word that he said is obvious. It's a word that shouldn't be said. I, you know, I don't know what good comes from him resigning other than it whitewashes something. Nixon uh, put out a statement defending Gundy. Joe Mixon, the running back for the Cincinnati Bengals, put out a, a, a statement saying this is wrong. You know, this should not happen. This is not something we should allow to happen. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not smart enough to know. I don't know how many guys were blanked off. I'm not in there. So people want an opinion. Should a guy be fired for this? Look, I have no idea because I wasn't there. And sometimes you have to be there to understand it. I, I can see exactly what happened. Now, look, I have read on my uh, radio show in the afternoon, I'll start reading an email. And then I'll stop because it's an email pertaining to the subject with which we are discussing. And then all of a sudden, I stop. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not reading uh, any more into that. I'm not doing that. You know, and so Gundy didn't do that. Gundy continued on, and Gundy said a word that you should never say. You know, certainly uh, you don't want to offend. And again, I don't know if everybody in that room lost their... Uh, lost their respect for him. I don't know if everybody in that room got upset. I don't know if half the team did. One, one of the players, who knows? I mean, in college athletics now, one player, even a walk-on that complains can get you fired. So the truth of the matter is, I, I don't know. But it's just sad because Kale Gundy has been, and, and, and I know the name. I don't know Kale Gundy, but I know the name just because I'm a college football fan. In college football, Kale Gundy is a guy whose name that I know and, and, and I associate it with well, frankly, with Oklahoma football. I mean, he, he went there, he coached there, he played there, uh, and now he suffers the consequences of, you know what, saying a wrong word. Seems harsh. Seems harsh. I mean, I, I get it. Uh, seems very, very harsh. He's 50 years old. He's been there his entire adult life since 1990. Uh, he was quarterback there, very good quarterback, I believe. And, uh, you know, <sighs> Tough world, man. Tough world. One day you're sitting there as a, you know, an icon in the state. And the next day you got to kind of explain yourself to everybody. So it's the world that we live in. And, and you know what? Again, I don't have the answer whether it's right, wrong, happy, sad. You know, nine out of ten times I'll give you an opinion. I mean, everybody knows that. But with this, I don't know if it's one guy or a whole team. You know, who knows? Every team has leadership councils. But did the leadership council go to the coach? Did the leadership council go to Brett Venables and say, hey, look, we want this guy out? If they did, then he's going to be out. I don't know. But I do know this. The bottom line 
the bottom line is very simple. When you do something like that, you're going to pay a severe consequence, and it's not a consequence that ends. It's not. And uh, for, unfortunately for f Oklahoma football, the football staff, and of course Gundy in particular, consequence is losing his job. Uh, what do you got? You got a few more of these? What are you talking about? You got a few more deep fakes, big boy? What the hell is this? What's this? Got a goat climbing up the side of a dam. Multiple goats. I'm saying that's 100% real. I'm saying that is real. I don't know what that is, but, I, <laughs> but, but I, I, I'm saying that's real. I'm saying, hell, I got a nephew that can do that. I got a nephew out in Yosemite that does this stuff all the time. I'm saying what you're seeing right now on your television screen or on your whatever, computer screen, is 100% real. That's real, Dylan. It is 100% real. I don't know about the nephew story, but that one's real. Yeah. No, well, my nephew story is real. Uh, Nick Eamon, I'm telling you, the dude, I don't know what these three climbs were, but whatever they were, they set a record. I don't know. I'm not smart enough. All I know is the dude could climb like that with his fingertips, and I, it drives my sister nuts because she thinks every time he goes on a climb, of course, he's going to fall. He hasn't yet, and he's always locked in. All right, what else you got? There's no doubt those goats could do that. Are you kidding me? What else? Let me see. What are we doing here? Got a couple skydivers here. Oh, that's just stupid. I'm sorry, but that's just stupid. Yeah. Oh, that's 100% real. There's idiots like that all across the country. Actually, they're not idiots. What they are is daredevils that live on adrenaline. Now, that looks fake there because for some reason, he doesn't seem like he. Let me see that one more time. I'm starting to think that's fake, and I'm going to the muscles in his arms. Yeah, he is clamping on pretty good there. Dylan, I'm going to say that's real, big boy. I'm going real. It is real, and it's inspired a lot of trends on TikTok from it. Inspired a lot of TikToks? A lot of people just doing it from, like, their kitchen counter, falling off that where it's two inches. Look, again, I go to my nephew. Did I say my cousin? It's my nephew, my nephew Nick. I'm telling you. Dudes love that. There are guys that are adrenaline rush junkies. They got to have it. Like, I got to have it, but it ain't falling off a building. I like having a six-foot putt to win or lose money. I like having to get up and down from a fairway to win or lose money. I like that. I like watching the end of a basketball game that I got some cash on. I like having to hit a shot to beat my wife in tennis, but I ain't jumping off no damn building and leaning back. I ain't mad at it, though. You got another one? Last one here. This is actually one of them that inspired the segment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's real. I think. Hang on, caller. 
Oh, man. I remember that one. I'm going to say that's real because I want it to be real, but it keeps going. I want that to be real. It doesn't look like it's real, though. I'm saying fake. Fake. It is fake. That's the one that you sent us that actually that sparked our idea for the segment. Yeah. Yeah, that one looked great, and I want it to be real. Who doesn't want this to be real? Look, the moon's going. It's spinning around, and it's it looks like it could drop right on you. It goes dark because it gets behind. Next thing you know, it pops up. Who doesn't want this to be real? Like, you know, there's all those kind of things, right, where you go somewhere and you're like, look, I got to tell you, I saw something I never thought I would see. Well, what was it? Well, we got it here on video. Um, I wish that were real. But you're, and that's it? That's the last one? That was it. We'd end on a familiar face. What'd you say? Yeah, that's it. We figured we'd end on a familiar face. Yeah. Coming up in, uh, uh, apparently, now let me, let me back up because this just got written on OutKick. Uh, David Hookstead says many members of the Oklahoma football team did not want Gundy to be fired. Despite his resignation, it sounds like many members of the team didn't want him to leave. Gabe Eichert reported a vast majority of players on the roster didn't want Gundy to leave. Talked to a few current players about the situation earlier today. Seems like the team had talked through it, and the vast majority wanted Kale Gundy to stay. Ultimately, Kale did what he thought was best for the team. Two decades as a coach, several seasons, as a dominant quarterback, he read a player's iPad in a film session. And it contained a word that, you know, you can't say. Look, again, that clears a little bit up for me. Now, you got to understand the world that we live in. I mean, the coach, Venables, has everything comes down to recruiting. Okay, it just does. I'm sorry, it does. So what happens is, in recruiting, somebody would say, well, you know, they got a coach there that said this word. Oh. And then you're going to have to always answer for that. And then you're always going to have to talk about it. And then it's always going to be an issue. So now, by Gundy, whose love for Oklahoma cannot be questioned, by him resigning, it takes the heat off everybody. You know, he did what was right for his school at the moment, I assume. Not necessarily right for him. I mean, I don't know that Cale Gundy made himself zillions of dollars in the NBA. And when guys resign, I always think about this. I always think, okay, do you have enough to retire? Do you have enough that you don't need another job? What's next for you? I'll ask Clay Travis what he thinks. I'm not sure Clay has seen it. Uh, Dylan, when you talk to Clay... Uh, see if he has seen the story. I'll ask what he says. It doesn't seem 100% right to me. It doesn't pass the smell test of me. It doesn't. The smell test is such that you're like, yeah, I could see it, no question. No question I can see it. No question I could see them not. Uh, I, it's, just, it's just a matter, I suppose, of what you want to deal with when you are Oklahoma football, do you want to continually deal with people saying that, did you not want to? Did you want to stand by a guy that stood by Oklahoma where the players seemingly, at least according to our, our sources at OutKick, are saying that, you know what? 
Players wanted him to stay. Certainly Joe Mixon did. Joe Mixon put out a tweet saying, hey, or a statement actually. Now, is Joe Mixon the best representative given what he was involved in when he was at uh, Oklahoma? Of course not. The one thing, man, the one thing that we're not afraid to do, we're not afraid to crush you over something that, well, frankly, we feel like we can crush you on. That I will say. That I will definitely say. Uh, Virgil Walker, who's an African-American, says about Gundy, my heart breaks. Coach Gundy was a staple. He'll be greatly missed. A lot of people are reaching out to Coach Gundy. It's an interesting story. I'll see what Clay thinks uh, here coming up at 1030. That's right. Clay Travis, the boss, man. We're all got to straighten up. I put it on coat and tie. I should anyway. Clay Travis joins. We, Matt, we absolutely have to put on something nice, proper, because it's the man. We'll get into a lot of things uh, with Clay Travis, and I'm looking forward to that. Again, ladies and gentlemen, I gave you a lock. Take the Rams plus two at home opening day against the Buffalo Bills. Is Buffalo capable? Are the Bills capable of handling expectations? When last we saw Buffalo, they were in an epic game with Kansas City, but guess what? They lost. Sometimes the hangover on that bad boy can get you. That's, I'm going to give you a basic, I'm going to give you so many, we're going to win so much money on this show that you're going to puke. And don't forget, find yourself a team. I'm going to find you one for this preseason weekend. I'm not giving you 10, and don't give me any crap about going out on a limb, but I'm going to study this. I'm going to study this week's preseason games, and I'm going to give you a game to bet. It might be an over-under. It might be one team's total. I don't know, but I'm going to give you one. And you know what else I'm going to do? Unlike all the media in the world, I'm going to keep track of my record. Starting with the NFL season, I'm going to keep track. My producer on my afternoon show, Jimmy Cook, he's keeps track. He's like 572 and 458. I mean, he, he has kept track from the moment he started giving picks every single day. I'm going to do that. If I give a pick on this show starting this weekend, there is going to be a record of it. I'm going to be held accountable for it, and we're going to figure it all out. That's my promise to you. And you may go, well, you know, Doc, it's you really went on a limb. It ain't no limb. We're trying to win money here. That's what we're going to do. We're going to win money on this show. I got a little too close to the camera. It's like getting too close to the sun. You go blind. All right, when we come back, the man, Clay Travis. I'm going to see what he thinks about this Kale Gundy situation. I am. We'll talk to Clay, Kate, look, Clay Travis when we come back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, look. He's the boss. So all you folks, we got to act right. I'm going to straighten out my shirt. It's the only thing I learned in college. Sit on the back of your jacket so it straightens it out. The great Clay Travis, the boss, baby, nice enough to join us. Hey, let's get right to it. Did you see the news on Kale Gundy today? 
I did. Uh, and then I went to go try to check out Kale Gundy's Twitter account, and he had me blocked. So, uh, I, you know, it, when you're uh, evidently I'm too strong for you and you can't handle my opinions, I don't even know the guy. Uh, I, I think the, the story, as it has been reported, uh, is ridiculous. But guess what? I ain't going to waste my time spending a lot of time defending you if you've got me blocked on Twitter. You kind of reap what you sow, loser. Nice. All right, that's strong. Let me jump to another one. Pete Rose, has he got you blocked? Pete Rose came on with a babe, not, and Pete Rose <laughs> Not that I know of. Um, this is actually funny. Uh, I was flying out to Las Vegas um, back in, like, July, I think, whatever it was. I can't remember. Sometime in the last six months. Uh, and my wife was sitting with me. This is 100% true. And uh, Pete Rose is Southwest flight to Las Vegas. Pete Rose was for some reason in Nashville. Let me just say, Pete Rose has been fantastic. He's been on a bunch of my shows. Great storyteller. Unbelievable memory uh, in general. Just uh, really an all-time great guest. I think he had no recollection of me at all. Um, I didn't, you know, try to introduce myself or anything. He was sitting behind us. Uh, he was blaring Fox News. You know, you can listen to the Southwest, uh, like, free uh, free, <laughs> free broadcast or whatever, you know, uh, on uh, on the devices. Evidently, Pete Rose, not a big, like, uh, wear uh, iPad, you know, like, wear uh, your own uh, headset or anything. So he's blaring Fox News. Um talking loudly, like telling stories, people next to him, quizzing him all about his baseball career. We land in Las Vegas. Uh, my wife is sitting next to me. Pete Rose stands up. Uh, my wife stands up and Pete Rose goes right in and says, Hey, how long are you going to be in town for to my wife? Like at you know, like 75 year old Pete Rose, whatever he is. Uh, and, uh, and, and I was like, uh, my wife was like, well, you know, I'm here with my husband, you know, we're here for the weekend or whatever. And, uh, and like, then we walk off the plane. I'm like, Hey, babe, you still got it. 75 year old Pete Rose was throwing as much game as he had right there. Uh, high, high heat, uh, from, uh, from the hit King, uh, when we, uh, when we arrived in, uh, in Las Vegas. So look, I, and, and the, the, the funny part about that story is just, I, I don't know why people are surprised that guys in their seventies have a different worldview than social media users in their 20s, right? So nothing that Pete Rose said surprised me. I think the guy should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, there are way worse uh, violators of all sorts of cultural and, uh, and, and baseball rules uh, that are in the Hall of Fame already. And so, uh, you know, I think that the Pete Rose thing, uh, getting outraged about that is, uh, is laughably absurd. I think getting outraged in general is laughably absurd. Like if you don't like something, you know, deal with it. I mean, I, that's kind of my generation. Uh, the idea that, uh, you know, arguing about somebody's opinion is fine. Uh, debating them, disputing them, but saying, Hey, you have X opinion and therefore you shouldn't be allowed to have a job. Um, which is the next step, which is cancel culture or your opinion is so offensive that it shouldn't be able to be shared in a public venue. Um, I, I just think all that is uh, is crazy, laughably absurd, and testament to, frankly, the Democrat Party uh, kind of going off the rails and embracing woke culture uh, to its own destruction. I got to tell you, the funniest thing, there's two funny things that I read, and they both involve my former employee. 
you know, me giving a rat's ass about Jalen Rose's thoughts on Mount Rushmore, you can't have <laughs> less of a caring about that. And I think, again, ridiculing. actually. And, yeah, saying that ESPN was conservative. But I think, you know, some people miss this. Ridiculing dumb opinions, I am 100% in favor of, Dan, right? Like, weigh in, ridicule, like Jalen Rose on Mount Rushmore, ridiculous opinion. I think he is typically not smart when it comes to his opinions. Ridicule him for them. Uh, Jamel Hill, ESPN is actually a really conservative place. I mean, you can speak to this directly. You worked there, but ridicule her opinion. I don't follow the next step of Jalen Rose shouldn't be able to have a job anywhere. Jamel Hill shouldn't be able to have a job anywhere. They can go work for whatever idiot media outlets want to employ them, but they should be ridiculed for their stupid opinions. And by the way, if they think my opinions are stupid, they can ridicule them too. I have no problem with that. That's how the First Amendment works. That's how the marketplace of ideas is designed. But I'm curious from your perspective, what do you think about the idea that ESPN is actually a super conservative place that we're all wrong for saying that they have a very left-wing uh, uh, favorability index? Yeah, well, my, my deal, I, I worked more as an independent contractor. My first year there, I would go on, um, I'd do a Tuesday night game with Tarico, and then I'd go to ESPN, do Thursdays, and, and then fly back Friday, and then do a game Saturday. So I was more of an independent contractor, but I got to tell you, I laughed my brains out at it. I mean, ESPN, to me, anyway, to me has become nothing about the network of we are all about the fans. It's become the network of make sure nobody gets on our ass. Make sure nobody says anything. We're not this. We're not that. Wait a second. You had three guys. They all look like Clay Travis and Dan Dockich on SportsCenter. We can't have that. They are all about that. And all you got to do, let's be honest. I mean, the way, in my opinion, Sage Steele, and I know Sage, and I've watched and I've worked with her, is so much more talented than anybody that they have up there. So much smarter, so much easier to work with. And yet you see how she's been treated and you go, wait a second here, why is she being treated this way? Because it certainly doesn't have anything to do with her performance on air, Clay. And I talked to yeah. Sage off air. And look, the, the bottom line is this. When, as soon as she expressed a view of that nature, she was done. Not done in terms of your contract is gone, because they can't do that to her, but done in terms of being on the NBA TV. I'm done in terms of being on the 6 o'clock sports center. And anybody that doesn't see that is nuts. And literally everybody that I worked with, not overtly, uh, particularly the guys in studio, everybody, everybody uh, was a liberal, and the entire place is, and they're just trying, in my opinion, not to get touched with the whole, boom, you guys did this, uh, wrong because you had this kind of person on your set. Hell, I got I, myself and another guy, Scott Johnson, the best director at ESPN. This is when I really decided to leave. The best director at ESPN got taken off the ACC tournament. Why? Well, let me put it to you this way. The guy that replaced Scott was a first-year director that had never done an ACC tournament game, but he didn't look like Scott or I. Well, here's the problem in general. Um, you know, it seems to me that the left wing has defined itself by wanting cosmetic diversity and no intellectual diversity. Uh, and to me, cosmetic diversity, when everybody thinks the same, defeats the entire purpose of diversity in general. It's not actual diversity, right? Diversity of thought matters more to me than diversity of appearance, uh, because diversity of thought is what makes you clear and certain that you don't have blind spots, right? If I run a company, 
Uh, if I run a uh, an entity at all that is designed to appeal to the entire nation, I want to make sure that I have as many different opinions as possible. Dan, you've been married, uh, I think, a couple of times. I'm still on wife number one so far. Uh, but one of the things that used to get my wife, and I think probably still does, super upset is I would ask her for her opinion, and then sometimes I would do the opposite. And she would say, well, why in the world did you ask me for my opinion? And I said, look, here's what I try to do. I try to talk to a large number of people with diverse opinions to make sure that I don't have a blind spot on an issue I'm thinking through in my head. I try to be in my head always like three or four steps ahead of where I am publicly. Well, this is where this story is going to go next. This is how this story relates to the past, whatever. And so sometimes I will have conversations with people, make sure what their opinion is just in an effort to ensure that I don't have some blind spot. See, I'm always uh, thinking, and this may be the lawyer in you or, or in me and people out there, I'm always thinking about where's the counterpunch coming from. A lot of people are good punchers, right? Like a lot of people come out and they throw a big punch, but they leave themselves so widely open for the counterpunch that they get knocked out and they never see that punch coming. Uh, I think when you're in a debate, when you're in an argument, when you are making a case, you need to be conscious not only of the punches that you are throwing, but when you throw that punch, what you are opening up the counterpunch for. And so I've always said, like, look, I, I, I can make the woke argument if you wanted me to. I don't agree with it, but lawyers all the time advocate for things that they don't agree with. I could make a stronger woke argument than Jalen Rose or Jamel Hill could. I'm better at arguing than they are. Uh, but they don't ever have a counterpunch that is ever very strong because primarily most of the woke argument is I'm offended. That's their punch. And then there is no additional support for that punch. And so uh, from an argument perspective, it is very weak. And I think a large majority of the American sports fan public recognizes how weak and feeble that punch is in general. Every single time the I'm offended punch is thrown, it lands less powerfully. Uh, and the one that even these idiots can never respond to is, I've always said, when you respond, I'm offended that you're offended. They have no idea how to even respond to that because <laughs> their idea is all that matters is their offense. They don't contemplate how anybody else could uh, react and respond. And that's the ultimate weakness of the woke argument in general. Do you think we've reached a saturation point? Uh, in, in what, in what field in, in like uh, the woke arguments? Um, I, I think, with, with, uh, with, look. With people saying that's racist, that offends me, that needs to be canceled, those type things. I think it still, I think it still works for the 15 or 20% of the Democrat Party that is defined by thinking America is an awful place and everything is offensive. I think it still works in that universe. Uh, I, I think that still has cachet and power. Uh, but, I mean, only to an extent. I mean, remember, the only thing Kamala Harris did that drew attention to herself in her presidential campaign before she dropped out, before votes were even cast at 1% support, was called Joe Biden a racist. Uh, and then Joe Biden ended up getting elected uh, as, the, uh, as the nominee for the Democrats and found his way into the White House. 
So it, it doesn't really register inside of uh, the Democrat Party like they even swear it off where they use it is to try to attack people outside. And this is why I always say, like, you know, I've never apologized for anything uh, that I've said publicly. But it doesn't mean that I'm never going to say something that is worthy of an apology because you talk live for several hours every day. I do, too. Uh, you know, we're not reading off the script. It's not a planned uh, argument every single day. But I've been doing it for 20 years ish, and I've never had to apologize for anything that I said. Doesn't mean I'm not going to. But one reason I would never apologize so far is people don't want actual apologies. The apology is not designed to solve an issue. It's designed to attack and weaken you. The people who demand that you apologize aren't interested in your actual apology. They're interested in attacking you and weakening you in the process by demanding the apology. So, look, I apologize to my wife all the time. Uh, and that might be a function of, uh, of of her trying to weaken me, too. But also anybody who's in a marital relationship sometimes gets things wrong. Um, you know, if you are not occasionally to your kids saying, hey, you know what? Dad messed up there. Dad could have done better. Mom could have done better. I think you're probably not doing a very good job as a parent because we're all imperfect. But the idea of these public get on your knees and beg for forgiveness apologies, uh, they're not real. They're, they're transparently false and they're designed to undercut you, and they don't in any way solve whatever underlying issue uh, people are upset about on a daily basis. And the other thing is, you know what? Almost nothing lasts more than 24 hours, right? Like, so Pete Rose is a story today. Kel Gundy's a story today. What's interesting is if you just ignore these things, if you just ignore them for 24 hours and don't say anything, they go away because there's a new story that occurs the next day. I think people are way too responsive to these things. I tell my guys now, uh, I barely read my mentions. I'll go in and favorite, you know, on social media. Um, I send my own tweets. If I think they're going to be funny responses. I'll go in and favorite them. Occasionally, I respond every now and then. But I'm not trying to be a cocky guy. But when you talk to millions of people every day, which I do, um, why should I care what eight people on Twitter are saying? I mean, honestly, like I don't. <laughs> and so more power to you. If, uh, if, if you want to weigh in and react to what, to what I'm saying on a day-to-day -day basis, pro or con good for you. But I just, I really don't care. And you really have no impact. And I think what we've done, Dan is sell the idea that somebody who has an anonymous profile on Twitter that is responding to something or upset by something that they matter and that their opinion is somehow valid and we have to react to it. No, we don't. Like, I'll tell you what I think. I don't care what most of the people who are uh, anonymous on Twitter think on a day-to-day -day basis. Why should I? Uh, I wouldn't care if you came up to me on the street and told me what you thought. And that's if I see you face-to-face. -face. Why would I care what somebody I don't even see face-to-face -face says? I just think, much of what we've said and done with social media is completely backwards. And this analogy I've used for a while, Dan, um, you know, if you went to a uh, comedy club, you go watch whoever your favorite comedian is. And when you got there, there was somebody standing outside with a placard saying that they were offended by the jokes that the comedian tells inside. What would just about every single person on the planet think? My goodness, what a complete loser that person is, right? Be like, why are you protesting a comedy club? Go find something else better to do. But the person protesting the comedy club with the poster board bought the poster board, got their marker, 
spent the time to drive to the comedy club, they actually deserve more respect from us than the guy or girl who gets out their phone and says, oh, my God, I'm offended. It takes them no time, 30 seconds, dash off a tweet. Yet we give more respect to the tweet than we do the person who is actually putting their name. Uh, they're, they're, they're standing out in the heat and the cold. They got the poster board. They got the marker. They had to make get comp, uh, make uh, make their way to the comedy club. Yet every single one of us would think, "What a total loser that person is." Why do we have an opposite reaction on social media? The person on social media is even a bigger loser because they aren't even willing to put their own name and effort and energy behind their opinion. Yet we give them more credence. It's totally backwards. What's going to happen? What should happen with Brittany Griner? I think Joe Biden is under so much political pressure to get her back that uh, he will make a bad deal um, like Joe Biden has for much of his presidency made bad deals um, that have made the country weaker. Uh, and I think he'll make a trade to get her back to try to uh, try to placate the people who are angry at him right now. Um, what should happen? Uh, you know, first of all, she shouldn't have been idiotic enough to travel with drugs in a foreign country. She'd been there multiple times. I would think that the team had notified her, hey, this ain't the United States of America. Um, what's kind of interesting to me is all the people who talk about how awful the American justice system is. I've long said, and this is me putting my lawyer hat on, we have the best justice systems in the world. Like, it ain't perfect. And there are all sorts of things that could be better. But you compare it with Russia, uh, and I think there's a lot of Americans sitting around, a lot of athletes sitting around talking about systemic racism in America that are like, boy, Boy, that Russia, I mean, nine, nine and a half years for having a little bit of weed on her. Um, uh, I think in, in, an, in an honest world, I think she's already been in detained for six months. Uh, I think Russia would say, OK, uh, we've made our point. You're an American citizen. We're going to let you go because of the situation that's going on with Ukraine, because Biden is weak. I think Russia is going to use her as a political uh, you know, bargaining chip. Uh, and I think they're going to end up getting a way better deal for her return than the United States is going to get. Victor Bout, um, the merchant of death. Now, yeah. how? Not a nickname, not a nickname that sounds like a good trade for a WNBA star. I'm just going to say, you know, if like if you were sitting around, you're like, OK, America gets back a WNBA. WNBA star in quotation marks like nobody really cares about the WNBA right but you get back a WNBA player okay and then Russia gets the merchant of death I I you know I think that's a little bit like the Herschel Walker trade uh to uh to the Minnesota Vikings when the Cowboys ended up getting basically their entire dynasty created and the Minnesota Vikings got uh, got Herschel Walker um it feels like a really bad trade uh, you know, we're getting Sam Bowie and the Russians are getting Michael Jordan. Yeah, I mean, look, just the nickname, as you said, just the nickname, like, God dang, man. I, I, all right, let, let, me, let me go this route with you. Is there, is there anything right now that you look at our country that Joe Biden has done right, that has met, been bettered by Joe Biden? And his administration. No, I, I don't think he's made anything better. I think the one thing he's done is, despite all of the uh, all of the arguments, he's mostly left in place uh, Trump's uh, tariffs and uh, and, uh, and you know punishments 
associated with China. I actually uh, agree with Nancy Pelosi, not the way that she did it, and certainly not with her arguing. I don't know if you saw that she'd always felt a deep connection to China because whenever she was on a beach when she was a kid, her parents used to tell her if she dug far enough, she'd get to China. Um, I mean, we are run by idiots and imbeciles to a large extent who are way too old oftentimes to have the jobs that they do, frankly. Um, but uh, I will say, I, you know, we have to support Taiwan. We did not support Hong Kong. We can't allow China uh, to continue to attack us as the Chinese have and not say anything to them. So, uh, look, we it feels like I've said before, you know, this new nearly $800 billion spending package in the middle of 9.1% inflation uh, as we are back-to-back GDP quarters negative, which is typically the definition of a recession, is the exact wrong thing to do. It feels in many ways like the Biden administration is tanking for the overall number one draft pick, except in the process they're tanking America. I don't want to have a weak, incompetent, uh, a totally uh, worthless president, no matter what his uh, what his goals are, uh, because I think it, it hurts all of us, Democrat, Republican, independent. Um, but but I do think Biden has basically done everything wrong since he entered into the White House. If he had done the opposite, if he pulled gone full Costanza and he had done the opposite of what he thought or what his advisors were telling him to do. I think the country would actually be in a better place. The full Costanza, I, I tried it one day. It works. It does. Yeah. It works. Well, it would have worked it's... for Biden. Like I said, the Midas touch is everything that Joe Biden touches turns to crap. So he's got the exact opposite of the Midas touch. Hey, uh, last, last thing. Um, I, I, I tried telling people, and I got a lot of pushback on this on my local show, that a doctor, a very smart doctor, a couple doctors actually, that I know, the smartest ones that I know, said way back when the vaccines were coming out, hold on here. We don't have enough information, particularly to women. You know, Allison Williams has now been hired by Fox, yeah. and she made the brave decision, you know. When you look back now, and all of a sudden, man, there's a lot of deaths among young people with cancers and things. Um, is it too much of a stretch to start questioning the vaccine and its and its effect on folks? No, I think it's what honestly should happen in science. Like this has been uh, my biggest issue from the get-go. Science is about rigorously questioning everything. That is what the scientific method is. That's how you determine what truth and falsehood is. Um, that's how you reach a scientific consensus, which, by the way, is always possibly going to be torn up because it's disproven. I mean, heck, I can barely keep up. We, Pluto's not a planet anymore, right? Uh, yeah, is my understanding. We only have eight planets, and they don't know what. This is my understanding. Again, I'm not a, a astrophysicist. I'm not an astronomy expert, but my understanding is Pluto is no longer a planet. All right. If you had started to argue that Pluto was not a planet, would astronomers come after you and be like, how dare you question the existence of Pluto? You are anti-science. You are the worst. No, they would have said, oh, that's an interesting argument. Let me look at the data that you have to support or discredit the idea that Pluto is a planet. And I'm using whether Pluto is a planet or not, because it's something that was established fact that has now become question fact that now has swung back in the other direction. I'll give you another example, Dan. When I was a baby, 
they told every mother, some people are going to be like, this is what happened to Clay Travis. They told every mother, probably when you were a baby too, put your kids down on their, oh, I'm going to get cry. One of the other, right? I can't even remember now. My kids are grown. You're supposed to put the baby down either on its back or on its stomach in order to try to make SIDS, Southern Infant Death Syndrome, less likely, okay? They told everybody when I was a kid, hey, I think it was put them down on their backs, okay? That then was the exact wrong thing to tell people to do. The experts all got it wrong. They made us all more likely of my generation to die of SIDS. By the time I had a baby, they had flipped. They had gone the exact opposite direction and now said, hey, you need to do the opposite of what we were telling you before. So experts are often wrong. And sometimes they're wrong about the most consequential things in the world, such as how do you put a baby in a crib? The idea that because somebody says something, you shouldn't continue to rigorously question it is the exact opposite of science. And we have ended up in this world where people have decided that they're going to blindly accept what they are being told. And I think it has been to the tremendous detriment of the country. We never should have shut down schools. We never should have locked down at all for COVID. We shouldn't have changed anything about our day-to-day -day existence by and large. Older people with issues of health they could have isolated more. The Great Barrington Declaration was right. Masks didn't make any difference. Like basically whatever you were told in March and April and May of 2020, it was all wrong. And I think we're still getting a lot wrong. And that's a reason why I haven't gotten the COVID shot. Hey, Clay, I appreciate it, man. I know you're busy. I got to end the show, but thanks a lot. Appreciate you coming on. Appreciate y'all. Have a good day. That's Clay Travis, the boss. We got to end it right here, baby. Uh, thanks to him for taking a few minutes with us. It's interesting. It's so good. Uh, he is so good. Clay and Buck, great show. Um, all right, Dylan and Ryan, everybody, thank you. And hope you have a wonderful day. I'm on noon to 3 on 1075thefan.com. You can catch us there. We'll see you tomorrow. Jeff George, former number one pick in the NFL draft, joins us tomorrow. See you.